Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. Good morning, Catania. How are you? How are you, Alan? Well, I'm grand. And first of all, I'd like to compliment Cathy on the wonderful article because I think she really got to the core of the journey you've been on, which hopefully you will share us with, share with us now. Um, yeah. This is an incredible story because, um, first of all, age comes into the equation as well, which is very important. But take us on yeah. the journey you've been on, Tanya, please. Uh, well, geez, it's been a, a bit of a roller coaster. Um, as I speak to you here now, I am multitasking. I have a bottle in Mr. Tide's mouth to keep him quiet. <laughs> so literally, uh, we started um, we started the whole fertility process in 2017 um, before we got married uh, because we preempted that there were going to be some issues we had been trying. Um, so we started with uh, Dr. Con Murphy down in Wexford. And uh, we were advised that we would need to go down the IVF route. So we talked to a couple of people um, who had been through it. And actually finding people who were willing to be really open about it was quite difficult. Uh, we knew some close friends, obviously, who had talked about their their um, journey. Uh, but outside of that, um, we found it hard to find information at our, at our fingertips. Even right. even our doctors, you know, they, they couldn't advise, you know, right. exactly where to go. So... We booked a couple of consultations, uh, went to a number of um, fertility agents, and then we decided um, that we would go abroad. So we chose uh, the Cube in Prague, again, because we had people who had success there. We knew people who had success there. So then we found uh, Dr. Kent Ayres, uh, who's an amazing consultant in Dublin, and he acts as a satellite clinic. So... Uh, we were able to get all our um, prescriptions and our meds done in Dublin and our scans in Dublin. Right. And then uh, we had a coordinator assigned to us from the Cube, and they were excellent. So uh, communication was key. And, uh, yeah, so we had four failed rounds. Okay, uh, can I stop there. you there, Tanya, and ask you, yeah. as, as, as you had four failed rounds, uh, they say yeah. never ask a lady your age, but I, I know you won't mind sharing, you were 41 when you eventually got pregnant, is that right? No, sorry, I was, I was 44 when I got pregnant, wow. and I was 45 two weeks after Tide was born. 45, right. So, yeah. I mean, it's a really hopeful message for people this morning you're sharing with us, isn't it? 45 Absolutely. years of age. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I was never going to let age get in the way. Um, I feel younger. Um, and my, I mean, mine and Michael's goal was to be parents. Um, he really wanted me to be a mum. I wanted him to be a dad. And being honest, if Ty wasn't sitting here, I think we'd still be on the journey. We, we just weren't willing to give up hope. Right. Um, yeah. Can, so. can you share with us then, say, the downside of all of this? Because we, we talk about the cost. It is, it's extremely costly. But you suffered, was it four failed attempts then? Four um, failed attempts. And on the second one, we were ecstatic because uh, I was pregnant. Um, and then that turned out to be an ectopic pregnancy, which was devastating. Not only because of the loss, but because... When you're doing IVF, time is of the essence. So obviously I had to wait because emotionally and physically it took a lot out of me. Um, but again, the support we had around us was just amazing from our families to our right. friends. Um, yeah, so I mean, the cost is huge. We we don't for any second um, take for granted how privileged we are to have two wages coming in. Um, we, I mean, we, we sacrificed an awful lot. Uh, we don't look at it as a sacrifice, um, particularly now that we see this little man. 
but we 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 didn't go on holidays we'd bought a house we didn't do the things that we wanted on our house um this was our priority and and if you are in the fertility um on the fertility journey you have to prioritize it and i mean you will get the money the money comes from somewhere because you're right. saving constantly right. for the next round you know yeah. Um, it cost you yeah, in total what, Tanya? Oh, near over thirty-five uh, thousand euro. Five to thirty-eight thousand euro. Yeah, yeah. But he's priceless, and we we don't we we don't even think of the cost. You know, we don't even think well, what could we have done with that money because he's he's here. You right. know, and he's what um, you wanted. Yeah. But but I mean, the one thing that we do find really difficult is when we think of people who don't have the two ages coming in, and there are other European countries where. There's two to three rounds available for people, you know, and, and that's not the case um, in Ireland. Uh, yeah. I know there was a proposal um, to bring it in, but they were talking about people under 30 being prioritised. And there was a lot of stipulations. And, I mean, if you're yearning to be a parent, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter um, your circumstances. That yearning is there. And, and it's, it's, it's just a feeling like no other is, you know, yeah. thinking that you won't become a parent. Like you and Michael both lead very hectic, busy, busy lives. So had you kind of put yeah. it on the back burner to start a family uh, and then all of a sudden yeah. you found yourself... Yeah. Is that the way it worked? Well, I was, I was doing two jobs at the time. So I worked for Tusla in childcare and I had the gym in Gory. So I was literally going from one job into the other. So that was the first thing. Uh, so I basically gave up the gym and, and obviously uh, kept my full-time job. But... It, it was just, I became a little bit selfish, and I know that word, um, I know Cathy, when I said it, she said, well, that's not selfish, prioritising yourself, but you do have to say no, you have to prioritise you and how you feel, and as a couple, you have to prioritise the time together, right. um, yeah. because you have to really be on the same page, you know, um, it's it's very tough, because uh, as a woman, you are injecting hormones into yourself constantly, uh, then when it fails, uh, you're taking your downtime. You know, you're you're coming to terms with it. Um, it's it's a roller coaster. It's the only way I can describe it. And in the article, I described it like drowning at times. That you're in a pool, and when it doesn't work, you know you're underneath, and then you have to take a breath, come back up, and pick yourself up and say, "Look, are we going to do this again?" You know. Was it the athlete um, in you, Tanya, that, that made you continue, like like a marathon runner? I'm going to get to the end of the line. So every time you got the disappointment of the failed attempt, and I can hear him in the background there. It's a wonderful <laughs> sound to hear. Um, I mean, was it the persistence of the athlete in you that said, "I'm going, I'm going to do this"? I, I think so. But also, I mean, I'm I'm from a large family. There's six girls in my family, and I have one brother, and they all have kids. So. I've been I've been practicing for this for years. I mean, I, I love my nieces and nephews. I I love the kids that I work with. I I just felt I this is me. Like I have to yeah. be a mom, and um, I I just wasn't going to give up. And nor was Michael, you know, which I'm very lucky for his right. support. Um, you you also at, say at there needs thing. to be yeah. You, you also say there needs to be far more open conversation regarding infertility. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, I remember a conversation that I had with my late dad because he was he was getting his head around what what IVF was, and he he said to me, you know, like probably years ago, there was people who couldn't have kids, and people just assumed, oh, you know, they're, they're he he used the phrase they're too clever to have kids, or you know, they're you know, there was no um, suggestion that they were trying and that they weren't able to have kids years ago because people didn't say, you know. 
Um, and there's so many people who have reached out to me now um, just asking about IVF and asking about the process. And people that I wouldn't have known were, you know, in the midst of this. Um, and I think people do feel a little bit embarrassed about the fact, you know, that there may be an issue of infertility. Yeah. And, and it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It, it, it affects one in six couples they um and my my um consultant said that's probably a higher number because there are so many people suffering secondary infertility now as well where they'll have one child and they struggle to have a second child um and and that's huge as well Um, and and it's just as difficult when you've decided you're going to have you know more than one child it's just as difficult as not being able to have one um it's the same yearning and and it's not it's not talked about openly, um, and I just think it should be because then people would would have, you know, more more um, knowledge on where to go, what to do, right. tests, assessments. Yeah. Um, you, you say it's yeah. not talked about openly. So you and I are talking about it openly this morning. How yeah. else do you think it should be talked about openly? Uh, how would you like to um, see it done? Uh, well, I know for us, uh, when in the beginning, um, it was only because of people um, that we knew that we sat down and chatted with, you know. Um, and then all of a sudden when we were on the journey, people that we didn't know um, had been through the IVF process started to open up to us, you know. Um, I think I think there should be more um, help forums. I think um, in your own doctor's surgery, there should be more information um, because it's, it's a subject as well that people, people struggle to, to basically bring to the forefront because, number one, maybe they don't want to admit that there's an issue. Um, so they put it on the back burner. And that's something that I would advise people if there's any inkling, no matter what age you are, um, I suppose get, get it looked at straight away because right. there are things you can do when you're younger. To can, can you do it? You know? yeah, yeah, that's the question. Can you do it earlier? Could you do it if you, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Would you and Michael have looked at this, say, when you're in your 20s or 30s? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like um, girls nowadays, um, you know, it, well, women in general are leaving it later to have kids. Um, and, I mean, they wait for the time to be right. Even before you're, you're, you're considering getting pregnant, there are ways to look at your your fertility. Um, so, I mean, you can have your AMH levels checked, which is your egg count. You can have um, in-depth scans done to check that there is no uh, signs of endometriosis or blockage of your tubes. These are all things that you can do um, well before you go, you know, I want to get pregnant, I'm having a baby, so that you will know if any of these issues exist. Um, same with men, and again, I think it's quite harder for men to even uh, accept that there may be an issue of infertility on their part. Um, having um, your sperm count done. Um, again, you know, things that people sometimes shy away from, but if, if you do get a handle on it earlier, yeah. um, you've a chance. much higher chance, yeah. Fabulous story, Tanya. Two questions to round off. First off, talk to me a little bit about your Instagram page. You've dedicated it to your love of home decor and all your IVF issues and baby updates on Tig. What have you called it? How can people access it? Oh, it's called Home at Wild Rose. That's the name of our house. And people are probably sick of uh, 
dog photos, house photos and baby photos, but <laughs> I've too much time on my hands at the moment, uh, yeah. Alan, yeah. Uh, sitting at home on maternity leave. <laughs> well, and the final question, I've left this to last, uh, because where there's life, there's hope, and you mentioned the word hope yeah. on so many occasions with us. You now have the life in your arms, which is baby Tig. What was yeah. the moment like for you and Michael when Tig arrived? Oh, I can't even describe it. Um, for anyone who's been through IVF, they will tell you that you don't enjoy pregnancy. You're excited, but you don't enjoy it until the that little um, boy or girl is placed on your chest. And we had uh, an emergency C-section um, because Wexford was so careful in regards to, to Tiger making sure he arrived safely. And... Uh, Whoever um, delivered Tig had a sense of humour because um, they placed these little feet over the the sheet first. So all we seen was these two little feet and the tube just went to pieces. But um, it, it's indescribable, just indescribable, um, the feelings that we had when he, when he arrived. And even now, we're still pinching ourselves, you know. I'm delighted for you. And I, I know you work and you work so tirelessly with Tusla. I remember being in St. Aidan's Daycare Centre when you and I had a really good long chat about the work you do there. So to you and Michael and to Baby Ty, well done. Fabulous story. Thanks for sharing it. Thanks so much, Alan. Thank you. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.